It's definitely a game I, I want to get. And you can't play it though. You don't have a PS3. Let me finish you. Fuck. Or my newsletter. So Jmon released another thing that I don't know the title for. So who cares? And then I just close it and delete it and uh, move on with my life. Fuck you guys and your piece of chance. Why don't you stop thinking about yourselves and your stupid show and start thinking about real world peace in the world? And then oh, I shut the fuck up. I know. Just... <laughs> my name is Derry Marbles, and I'm here with my lovely esteemed co-host Dominic Rosales. Hello, Dominic. Hello. What the hell was your name again? Oh, I think you need to to calm down. You're you're sounding way too enthusiastic. We need to keep this keep this nice and low key. Well, it makes more sense if I sound enthusiastic. It uh it offsets your non-enthusiastic voice. Seriously, you need to chill out. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. I was just thinking about what that radio show was called in uh Parks and Recreation. Oh. I haven't seen Parks and Rec, actually. You haven't? No. Yeah, there's this really low-key, or low-key, no, it's basically, like, making fun of NPR, where mm-hmm. it's, it's, like, the most boring thing ever. The show is called Thoughts for Your Thoughts. Have you actually watched NPR? Or, I mean, I mean, you can't watch it. I mean, have you actually listened to NPR? Yeah. Yeah? Does it bore you? Not at all, no. NPR is very interesting. They do, they produce really good podcasts. But anyways, um, I should probably introduce everything usual welcome to the Animanga podcast this is the podcast where we discuss anime manga random pop culture stuff that interests us on any given week this is episode is this 80 or 81 um we'll find out afterwards well i'm gonna find out right now because this is just terrible. why do you have to be exact about it dude? because i like to people to know at the top just about how long we've been around this is episode 80 episode 80 um we're pretty much gonna catch up on some new stuff catch up with each other it's been a few Mm -hmm. weeks uh maybe four weeks since we've had a podcast i think it's been three weeks we got a lot to catch up has has it been did i come back from new orleans last time um no i believe you were away at new orleans and that was a reason why we couldn't record so maybe it has been four weeks it's been it's been a while it's been a while but yeah tell me tell me all about new orleans the big easy new orleans the big easy uh it's pretty were you were you there for um for mardi gras no we were there we actually inadvertently ended up there for uh saint patrick's day Uh Uh, but the main reason why we're doing it is because i'm working with stephanie those of you longtime listeners Stephanie, I remember her. Remember she Stephanie? was way back in like uh, when we did Tatami Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. The first, anyway, she was on the podcast a couple times. She's also been a co-writer on a number of projects that I've worked on with her. We did a pitch of a cartoon that unfortunately did not go anywhere, but I still think was really awesome concept, and is since probably not going to happen because of a little film called Zootopia. But that's fine. Uh, um, hey, do you think? Um, uh, remember back in the 90s when they had like oh yeah cartoons and they had like those things where they would basically it's like we're power uh, no i don't think no that was cartoon network wasn't it i can't remember anyways they had something like that where i think like powerpuff girls started and johnny bravo and stuff started where they basically just had like cartoon pitches and then they yeah. saw what actually stuck on the wall if they had those any of those kind of shows now do you think that they would have been able to put that on there your little pilot well first of all it's called what a cartoon I oh, okay. It, was it okay. called What a Cartoon? What? A I, cartoon, too, too. Yeah. That's it, right? I believe so. Well, I know Cartoon Network had their own thing and Nickelodeon had their own thing. Sorry, I had to finish. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think Cartoon Network exactly had that. To be honest, 
they have similar things online now. Like there's a company called Frederator that has their own YouTube channel that pretty much has stuff like that. There's this one mm-hmm. cartoon online uh, called Bee and Puppy Cat. Mm-hmm. And that kind of had a similar thing where it was one of their shorts. I think it was like seven minute short. And they ended up turning it into like a web series. Mm. It's actually pretty entertaining. I recommend checking it out. It's it's kind of charming. Uh, but yeah, I think we, we did pitch that studio. It didn't work out, unfortunately. So... And we had another one, too. We should probably pitch to them. Anyways, here's what it all comes down to. This is the reason we went to New Orleans, is that we're working on a, another cartoon slash children's book series that's going to be set in New Orleans, or at least in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And we basically wanted to kind of do research on it. So we went there for a week. Um, me, Kirsten, uh, Stephanie, and her boyfriend just went there for a week, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so funny, though, because the difference in traveling. like They're like... Uh, I don't want to say they're old because they're like mid thirties, mid to late thirties, but they're just all about like, let's go to a comfortable hotel. And me and Kirsten <laughs> were just like, let's go to a bed and breakfast. That's like in sort of a, a scrappy area of town. It was so much fun. Bed and breakfasts are romantic. They're very romantic. Yeah, it was awesome. I loved it. Um, and very colorful. Like mm-hmm. New Orleans is very comf- like comfortable. What was I going to say? Colorful mm-hmm. in general. You know, you go down like the these roads and there's these houses painted like bright purple or pink or yellow or whatever it's it's really cool mm-hmm. um did you go down bourbon street unfortunately yes we did <laughs> it is it is dirty it is grungy and grimy have you been to new orleans i haven't i just know of bourbon street so many strip clubs yeah like so many so many women who look so unhappy to be there like I saw this woman standing out, like asking people to come in, and she looked like miserable, <laughs> like stereotypical sort of <clears throat> prostitute type character. Yeah, um, I felt so bad. And you're like, God, I'm so happy I'm with someone, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> she would lure me right in. Yeah, it's kind of like going down Broadway in San Francisco <laughs> or Sunset Boulevard or Sunset, in, yeah, <laughs> in, in L.A. Yeah, no, it was it was pretty grungy. Like I we I. We went there quite a bit just because it was like a main street, but mm-hmm. like I'd prefer the other stuff that had like the coffee shops and shit like that, which is more my 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 jam. Um, and then they had you know the jazz people playing; it was awesome. A lot yes. of poverty, a lot of yeah. poverty, a lot of a lot of homeless people. More than you know, even in L.A., more than most of L.A. At least, at least walking down the street. Yeah, New Orleans has a great disparity um, yeah. as far as their uh, as far as their people are concerned. A lot of bad teeth. Um, not mm-hmm. a lot of like really good hygiene overall. Um, the entire city, or at least the whole entire French Quarter, and some of the bywater and stuff s- smells like shit mm-hmm. the entire time. But still, a lot of charm to the place, um, a lot of culture, and it was really exciting. And I wrote down a bunch of notes because I, yeah, it's basically so I could remember it. And Kirsten took a bunch of pictures. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would go there again in a heartbeat. I actually probably could live there for a year. I don't think I could live there for, <laughs> for a year. For a year, it. yeah. It's like they have. I have a limit. I have a limit. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was pretty cool. I enjoyed my time there. But that, that's why we haven't recorded in a while. Is because I was there for a week. Did you take uh, take in the local delicacies? Oh hell's yeah! We got some uh, Cafe Du Monde, which is mm-hmm. the, the beignets, the world yeah. famous beignets, which were pretty good. Actually, right now I'm I'm drinking Cafe Du Monde coffee, coffee Ooh. with chicory. We actually just ordered it online. Mm-hmm. And it's uh it's pretty good. Like it's really fucking strong. Like I usually have coffee black. This yeah. is literally the first time I've had coffee with almond milk in it because I needed to dilute it. 
Oh, it's good with almond milk, though. Mm-hmm. Have you ever tried hemp milk? I have not, but I like hemp. Like, I've put hemp mm-hmm. in, like, shakes and stuff or I sprinkled hemp on top of, like, uh, my my oatmeal in the mornings. Mm-hmm. So I could I could probably be all – is it good? I have no idea. I just I just ask people if it is because hemp to me seems like it would be uh, – it doesn't seem like it would have that great of a taste to it. Just because when I think of hemp, I always think – I don't think of marijuana because I know that's what a lot of people think. Oh, hemp, oh, it's weed. Uh, no, I think of like – you know, rope and things that hemp was used to make, you know, in the past, you know, I've seen hemp clothing mm-hmm. uh, around here. We have a, we have a, you know, we, we're okay with the, you know, pot culture and everything like that. So a lot of people like have, there's a lot of stores that like have like everything's made of hemp, you know, it's like, Oh, we have made clothes out of hemp. We make shirts out of hemp, uh, this and that out of hemp. So like, I think putting that in like a liquid form and putting that in my coffee, I'm not really a fan of, but I'd have to try it. Yeah, give it a shot. It's it's good. Apparently, it's healthy for you. So it's just one of those things. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you get some oats, you get some flaxseed, you get some chia seed, throw in some hemp. Basically, you clean out your system in a day. Mm. So when you were younger, you would look at people that had coffee and you'd be like, ew, that shit's disgusting. Even now, recently, like even, even about a year ago, uh, mm-hmm. I didn't like coffee until I went to op uh to dallas with the one piece podcast the rest of the mm-hmm. one piece podcast we went there and we went to this this place that served pancakes and they had like 87 different types of flavored coffee wow and i was like there's a peanut butter one i kind of want it so i tried it and i was like this is pretty good like it wasn't sweetened or anything it just had like that peanut butter hint to it um kind of like all their their flavored coffees and mm-hmm. so I was just like, okay, this is like a, and the gateway drug. And then I, I went home and then I tried other coffee and stuff. And then basically I, I, I got into it slowly. And then now I'm every day, three to five cups of coffee, black, usually. Every day, three to five cups? Yeah, oh, that one, to, one to three cups. Okay. I was going to say three to five cups. Uh, you might want to cut that back a little. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing is that, like it's not like I have days where I just don't have any and a lot of people go like, oh, I'm addicted to caffeine. I'm not addicted yeah. to caffeine. I just like having coffee in the morning. It's like a part of the ritual, you know, yeah. have my coffee, sit down, drink some, have some breakfast and get to work and stuff. That's just a part of mm-hmm. the ritual. It's more about that than anything else. Mm-hmm. Like even when I go to like a Starbucks, it's like not as cool. I don't like it. I don't like drinking out of a Starbucks cup that much. I prefer yeah. to drink out of a mug. Just I just bring nicer. my own. I just bring my own thermos. They just have them fill it up. Sometimes if I sit in a Starbucks, I'll tell them just to put it in a mug and not put it in a, a paper cup. Uh, I never really sit in Starbucks that I can think of. I hate being in Starbucks because then I have to see all those people who are just so cheap and use their Wi-Fi and hang around all day and write their freaking magnum opuses or whatever. They're hey, just that's, like that's what I do. I know. And I'm like – How am I go, cheap? I'm like go home and – How is that cheap? I spend more money when I'm there because I end up getting like, you know, a coffee, a pastry, and then like a meal potentially. Mm, okay. I guess it's not cheap to do that, to no. buy things. But if you're just going there to like say, oh, I'll have like just a, you know, you just fill up your own cup of coffee or whatever because it's cheap to do that. It doesn't cost much to bring your own and then just fill it up and then just sit around like for hours on end. I'm talking about like three, four hours and just writing. Oh, yeah. I, I Whenever I go to Starbucks, it's usually for about three or four hours. 
yeah, I can't do that. I'd rather do it at home. I feel more comfortable in my own my own space than having people around me chatting. To be honest, I uh, I'm I'm more often than not I work from home as well. Mm-hmm. Like because it's yeah. more comfortable. Like my setup is good. Like I have my laptop up on a sort of little tier thing far away from me, and I have a big screen and a keyboard. And the way I have my podcast now is I have like a little fucking gobo arm, as I mentioned before, and it's just really it's a really yeah. You're so cool. Setup. I get it. It cost $15. Get over yourself. It was really cheap. Mm, $15. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. But uh, I'll send you the fucking link. It's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to... Yeah, whatever. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, you were talking about your trip, and I was thinking, okay, so your your cartoon or your, your animated show is going to have a lot of New Orleans culture, so it's going to have beignets and um, whatever else they have there, like po'boys. Oh, po I love po'boys. Gumbo. Mm-hmm. Um, oh god my stephanie she had soft shell crab for the first time have you oh, had that yeah i didn't yeah. realize that soft shell crab was literally you eat its organs too mm-hmm. like that's disgusting i did not eat it <laughs> eh. fuck that no it's way. organs whatever <laughs> and we but they're like, like li- they're like little organs it's not like it's like a big like it's not like it's haggis or something like that where it's like the huge like intestines of like a sheep or something like that it's all it's it's a mental thing for sure yeah but yeah, it was just it's awful. Like, ugh. like I just don't. It's just more of a mental thing. It's just crazy. But um, yeah, I didn't have did any. You, of that. Did you see any um any voodoo people? Uh, no. No witch doctors. No witch doctors. But uh, that's <laughs> what our that's what our thing is about. Our cartoon is about. Have I mentioned it before at all? No, I don't remember if you mentioned like what the whole what was what it was about. You it's, were talking about going there for inspiration. It's and called. To, it's called uh, Witch Doctor Dolly and Her Llama. <laughs> yeah, so it's about this witch doctor girl. Oh. Will there be any uh, voodoo witch doctors voiced by Keith David? <laughs> there should be. but <laughs> His voice is great for everything. I love him. I always remember seeing him in the first Barbershop movie and thinking, damn, that guy's voice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to turn into a gentleman's club. <laughs> I'm like, that, guy, I'm like that guy's that guy's voice is familiar isn't he in those like navy commercials or something he's like the he's the arbiter in halo yeah i know that but i think he also was in like some military commercials or something too i believe like, it. like guys arm, got, army or navy or something like that guy's got a voice voice of an angel mm-hmm. um or uh, and i think devil. in like and in saints row 4 he like played himself he oh, played keith cool. david <laughs> um so yeah, that's that's basically what it's about. We're probably going to turn it into a series of novels first before we do anything like that. Uh, let's see here. Is that and by it? novels, you mean like children's size children's, novels, so like, like thirty, pages. like thir- Oh, I was going to say like thirty pages, forty pages. You know, like a Babysitters Club kind of like length. Those were like a hundred pages. Were they? Yeah. I never read them because there were girls on them, and I was like, I'm not going to read stuff about girls. No, I agree. Fuck that. <laughs> I don't. Re- I didn't really read at all when I was a kid. When I was younger, I didn't start like actually being interested in reading until I think I was like sophomore year of high school. Wow, reading yeah. was my entire existence, man. It was how I lived. Yeah, and that's why you're an author, oh, <laughs> and I'm that's, not. That's a good point. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. So how you been up? How you been? Uh, I've been all right. I mean, I haven't really had anything really interesting. Um, what was cool though is uh, my girlfriend ended up getting a job with County Tooth, so now we both like kind of work with each other. 
you know, she's like works down the street from me. So, you know, we have lunch together and stuff, which is really cool. Mm. Um, so now like whenever she has pro- complaints about work, I'm like, yeah, I totally know what you're talking about. Get used to it. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is, you know, at first I thought it was going to be kind of odd, you know, having her, you know, working in the same, you know, kind of business or similar business as me. I was like, eh, I don't know how I feel about having some, but she's like down the street. So it's not like she's working the same building as me. I don't have her coming over and bothering me when I'm working. Right. You still uh, have separation. Yeah, there's still a little separation. Uh, and then just recently, I took her to um, San Francisco for like, it's just like a day for her because she um, she bared through everything and has got, we've gotten through 700 episodes of One Piece. Wow. Are you guys wow. caught up? Um, we're about 20 episodes off from being caught up. How, how is the anime uh, <laughs> in, in marathoning it, like those later episodes? Um. I think it's better, but there are still some parts that seem to like kind of drag on a little bit as far as uh, I think like with Dress Rosa, which is most of like which is most of the episodes now, you know, for the last hundred or so. There's there's little parts where it drags on where it's like uh, the parts that drag on to me were like when uh, Luffy's trying to get up to like the fourth level to Doflamingo. It seems like there's certain parts where they kind of stretch some material out to be a little longer. It's like, oh, let's have some more face pans or let's, you know, you can tell that. It probably plays a lot better, though, if you're just going through the anime by itself and not really thinking about the source material, though, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because like I was like, like afterwards, I would like look through the manga and be like, yeah, they moved a little quicker than you know in the manga, obviously, because it's the manga, you know, right? Um, right. It's just different. But I, I think marathoning it was a lot better than you know doing it on a week to week basis. It seems like it goes way too slow when you do it week by week. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, she she's uh, really interested in it more so than she was before, and you know she calls out things, you know, with, like fucking Rebecca, Rebecca and stuff like that. Easily the worst character in One Piece history. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, she calls it out and she like, you know, she frowns at all the stupid fan service and shit like that. But, you know, she's like, eh, yeah, that's what it is. It is what it is and just kind of handles it. And like I had told you, I think before we were recording, she's nine episodes through or actually 10 episodes. She just texted me and said that she finished the 10th episode of uh, Your Lie in April. And uh, which is a series we'll be covering in the next couple weeks. Yes. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah, so she uh, she's really getting into that as well. So it's nice to have her be able to get into, you know, enjoy the same stuff that I like. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so speaking of One Piece, this mm-hmm. kind of transitions into one of our news pieces a little bit. We're talking about, uh, well, kind of, not really. It is this the oven mitts? <laughs> this is not the oven mitts, but this is, I guess it transitions into several of our news pieces. But we're talking about Toei mm-hmm. and how shitty their animation usually is. Yeah. And I was just thinking, okay, here's my question. Did you hear about the news in regards to Oda helping out with certain filler that you guys are approaching? Yeah, it was um, like the post-Dressrosa stuff. I think they added like an episode about like Sabo kind of like training with Dragon and everybody, you know, as in the Revolutionary Army. So I guess Oda gave them a little advice about or gave them a little help with making the filler. Yeah, I, I, re- mean, that's I what recently, I seen. exactly. I recently watched it. And mm-hmm. it is not good. <laughs> it is just so. It's just like because I expected. Oh yeah, Oda helped, so that means that it has cool stuff in it. It literally is exactly what anyone would imagine. Uh, you know that it's super generic. It's super generic. Oh, mm-hmm. he's training. Oh, he's fighting. Oh, he's he's a loose cannon. He's growing up a bit. He's working with them. 
there's nothing special about it. Like, nothing. and it doesn't, and it doesn't add anything nothing extra that you're like, oh nothing. wow, that was worth having. Exactly, that's zero, <laughs> zero anything. So I think then at that point you can really confirm that Oda. They just basically showed it to him and say, hey, is this good? Does this, um, does this suit your character? And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. He's like, yeah, this works just fine. And there was a specific moment too where where Sabo seemed like he was going to do this cool move, and instead he just crumbles the ground around him. I'm like, oh, big deal. <laughs> it's hockey. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's fucking Toei. Like, they get so lucky with their with their animation stuff that they don't have to worry about actually producing good content because because the source material is usually really popular. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll reverse transition. So they're basic. So they're basically guaranteed uh, some kind of a profit. Pretty much. And it's like, we'll put as minimal effort into it. That way we can increase our profit margins. Like, obviously, I don't know for sure if that's what happens, but that's what it looks like to me as someone who's not in that's the, the That's the way it comes off. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and then yeah. you compare it to something that we, we're going to cover right now. There's a, we, we actually covered a few weeks, got a few weeks, a few months back, the mm-hmm. manga for A Silent Voice. Mm-hmm. And I loved it so much. Like, it was such a great manga. It was. I read the shit out of that. Like, I'm not sure if you remember, audience, but yeah. we originally were supposed to cover like 30 chapters. And we ended and up covering the entire thing. The entire thing. Like, yeah. I, it was like 80 chapters or something like that. It was amazing. Yeah, it wasn't that much longer. It, it just, it got to the point where when we got to 30, it happened to be the perfect spot for you to be like, no, I want more. I want to see how, you know, these characters actually end you know, I want to see what happens to each one of them because I have a vested interest in each one of them, even ones that you hated. Mm-hmm. You know, they were able to make you be like, well, maybe there's more to this character when maybe there really wasn't at the right. end. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was uh, it, it was a really good, a better manga than I thought it was going to be. So it's getting an anime film adaptation from Kyoto Animation. And a couple weeks ago, they released the first trailer for it. And, man, it looks fucking pretty. It looks so good. Like, pretty much, if you look at the Haruhi Suzumiya movie, probably some of the best animation I've seen in an anime movie. Disappearance is that when you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, the disappearance of a Haruhi Suzumiya movie. And, um, I mean, the animation style looks different. It obviously it fits the style of the manga, but mm-hmm. it, it is just... But it still has that Kyo-Annie look that you can tell with characters. I'm like, yeah, that's Kyo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it looks amazing. Like, the animation, you clearly don't fuck around with that. They're like, the characters are on model. Take note, Toei. Um, <laughs> but I also like the way they do things. Like they, one of the quirks of the character, I guess you can call it, is that mm-hmm. he's very closed off and he he doesn't trust people. So unless you earn his trust, when he looks at people, he kind of sees an X over their face. If he doesn't, mm-hmm. and the way they're drawn here, they're like really sort of jagged and and squiggly and stuff, and it looks really awesome. And I like how even though they have, you know, they could have easily just made it, you know, they could have easily cheapened out on it and not drawn like people's faces and just had pure X's on them. But they actually went through the extra effort of like having like still like you can still kind of see a face behind the X. So you can see that they actually went through the trouble of drawing a face and putting the X on there. Right. Which I think a, a cheaper company would have just drawn a, just drawn an X. That's true. Yeah. Like so, they took extra effort on that. Um, to me, the uh, I really noticed like when I first watched in the trailer, it looks it looks pretty standard until you get to the part where it's like he's like diving through the water and stuff like that, and then that's when it like starts to look all watercolory for a little bit, and it just starts to. Then that's when the animation really starts to shine. For me, uh, I think that moment is you know they have the well, you could definitely see the detail in the classroom. Like it looks mm-hmm. like 
as far as detail on the level of something like say summer wars probably yeah, yeah. more probably better than that because summer wars the the character models tend to be very simplistic because that's the director's style mm-hmm. but um this one not as much but then the camera turns back to her and it has a close-up of her shoulder and you see the teacher like tap her on the shoulder Mm-hmm. And just the way, oh yeah, I remember you were going crazy. No, just that. just the way it's drawn. Like I'm not sure what it, what it is, but like the detail lines. You know how mm-hmm. sometimes it, it almost seems arbitrary how the lines that should be connected are actually just randomly cut off at certain points. Yeah, to to allow like the finger to tap or whatever like that. Yeah, are you saying no? But all right, are you looking at the picture right now? Do you, are you by any chance? No, I'll look at it. again. Okay, so. Let me see if I can describe it. Around five or six seconds into the Silent Voice film trailer, which we'll put in the post itself. So he, he's reaching his hand. And if you look on the inside, you know how we have like those lifelines on our hands, like the wrinkles on the inside of our hands? Well, his lines don't really connect. They're just arbitrarily, there's a split between them. But obviously, they the shape continues with it. There's mm-hmm. something about that, and even on the outline of his hand at certain points, so there's some points where the lines don't connect, and I'm not sure what it is, but it to me, it just sort of adds to sort of the fluidity and the detail, mm-hmm. that it just, it just maybe makes the animation to me feel more fluid <clears throat> while still being detailed. And as far as I know, this is a film... Yes, or it looks like it's going to be a it's going to be a film. So they probably had a larger budget, I would imagine, than like to it. do like than it. to do like if this was like a twenty six episode series or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. So then, so that may be a reason why they probably get their like A team on this. So let's be real. Like I don't, I can't think of a Kyoto Animation anime that looked bad. Mm. They all look really good, right? Is, what, yeah, what yeah. Is I mean, they have moments of you know, of. Uh, I, I think it depends on what the series is. I think with a series, let's let's take K on for example, which was a few you know many years back. It was like two thousand nine um, or something. Yeah, that. I mean, I think they could. They were able to take if you know. I have to look back on it, but they would be able to take more of a kind of like a minimalist approach with it, as far as what the movement and stuff needs to be done, because a lot of the scenes are them kind of sitting around. Right, and but I think it, everything so. I think it's pretty. Depend- yeah, everything does look pretty. Um, yeah, it's kind of the Moe thing for that show. They had to look pretty. Um, but other than that, you know, I'm not talking about just the characters, but everything did look pretty. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess you, with your point, they're really, I can't think of one that hasn't looked pretty, but I haven't seen every single one. So maybe yeah. there's one, there, maybe there's one out of the bunch that doesn't, but. Right. But I mean, um, they do free. I mean, that looks, the animation looks great on that. Sound Euphonium mm-hmm. looks really great. Lucky oh, Star. Yeah, Lucky one. Star is really simplistic, but it matched, like, it's still really good looking, like the watercolors in the background, the way it blends mm-hmm. the characters. Haruhi Suzumiya looks great. Mm-hmm. Full Metal Panic looks awesome, like back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, yeah, I can't think of a, a, a bad one. But then again, like I said, like you said, I haven't seen all of them either. So there's probably one or two that aren't. There has to fantastic. be no, no, yeah. pl- no, no studio can have a perfect unblemished track. But record. I feel like with them, they're really good about selecting their source material. And what I mean by that, as you mentioned, there's not a whole lot of movement in say K on. It's all very mm-hmm. down home. And, and with silent voice is probably going to be that way too, where mm-hmm. there's not a lot of action. So they're able to focus on the small details of things. Mm-hmm. which makes the quality seem even greater. You know, rather than focusing on action, they focus on those little details that just add yeah. add to it. Um do we so, know when the movie is supposed to be scheduled to come out? Uh the film will open in Japan September 17 of this year. So, so then it probably won't come around here until uh, next year. Yeah, <laughs> early next year. I don't know. Maybe let's see here. 
trying to think of who who Kyoani usually partners with, and it's usually, uh, gosh, it would be Bandai, not anymore, because they're gone, and they mm-hmm. they Bandai usually did stuff with Bang Zoom. Potentially Funimation, because I think Funimation picked up a lot of Bandai's titles mm-hmm. uh, after Bandai closed out. So who knows, right? Question mark. Mm, I, uh, this seems probably like, right? Funimation. Funimation. Funimation seems like they pick up everything at this point. It's either Funimation or Viz or Bang Zoom, I guess. Well, Bang are Zoom, those the main three, or are there other ones now? Bang Zoom, they, they're not a they're not a distributing company. They just dub. They usually. Oh, hire. okay. I meant dubbing. I was thinking, trying to think who who would dub it. Um, no, yeah, no idea. Like probably yeah. Funimation or Bang Zoom or Viz. Yeah, those are the the big three I'm thinking about. I'm trying to think who else, who's done dubbing. Re- oh, uh, what is that company called? ADV. Uh yes. What? Not ADV anymore. But what are they now? Wow, we are so out of it. Yeah, I'm old. I forgot what that company is. That, <laughs> Let's that just say we're Section Twenty Three. Might be. I have no idea. God damn it. <laughs> so this is what happens when you when you don't necessarily keep up with the cutting edge of things, guys. You don't want to be like us. Watch some anime. By the way, I <laughs> think I think very soon I will be going through a phase of watching a lot of anime. Because I go through these phases quite a bit because where it's like I watch a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, and I kind of pull back for a while. Because, you know, you don't want to oversaturate your brain with it because then you just start to get sick of it. Um, I haven't – I mean I've watched stuff. I've been reading stuff like My Hero Academia and you know covering the stuff on the podcast. But beyond that, not that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I think I'm in a phase where I'm, I'm ready to start consuming it a bit more. So I'm excited to see what kind of shows I'm going to pick up as I do that. Um, let's see here. What else do you want to talk about? Any news I really, on your I end? really should have asked, um, Steven, there's a question that I had for Steven about like simulcast, like simul releases of like, uh, manga, you know, if that Viz does, like, why don't they do it? similar like because i was thinking i look at one piece and it happens like the manga comes out every like four months we get like a new volume but over like we're i think like five volumes behind like five or oh you mean like the actual volumes why don't they release yeah why don't they simul release them here it's probably a japanese thing they probably want japan to get it first just because that's you know that's a thing. Yeah, I, I'm sure there is probably like a really simple answer, but I, I thought about it like after we interviewed him mm-hmm. and I was like, shit, I should have asked him that. <laughs> I mean, I doubt there's a really – he probably wouldn't know to be honest Yeah, like because he, he's just involved in the translation aspect of it. But my guess is that it really has more to do with the fact that the Japanese company wants Japanese volumes to come out first. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not a good reason. It's just, I think, a dated thing. Again, I could be wrong, but that's my yeah. Because I was thinking, I was like, there's really on. It has to be something really, really like personal like that. Otherwise, there's really I don't see a purpose, a reason why they couldn't because they already have everything translated since it's you know comes out in weekly Shonen Jump. Right. Well, he does. He Here. does have to go back and and touch everything up, you know, just in case there were any inconsistencies that were later discovered or he doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> Well, if there are things that are really vague in the Japanese <laughs> yeah. text and then we find out the reason why, then maybe like he if he said he instead of, you know, they. Yeah. Then, yeah. Oh, yeah. That could be that could change the total meaning of something. Exactly. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I remember I forgot which one was it. There was a one manga where I think for the first volume it mm-hmm. ended with them saying he or she and then like it ended up being the opposite sex in like the next volume. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I I never notice any like differences. It always seems the same to me. Yeah, I mean this is this wasn't in one piece, but this is just another missile random volume of something that I read. I forgot which uh, one it was though. I probably will never know what that was. 
Um, also, <laughs> something that's interesting. Have I talked about – I've talked about that documentary that I've been watching uh, or quote-unquote been watching. I, there are three of them available on YouTube where mm-hmm. Naoki Urasawa, like, uh, he interviews these artists. Mm-hmm. Have we talked about that? I don't know. I don't think you have. Okay. Do you know who Naoki Urasawa is? Yeah, Monster. Monster. He he wrote uh, Pluto. Pluto, 20th Century Boys, um, Billy Bat, Master Keaton. Really, really prolific, really famous. Master of the Thriller, as they call him, at least in the U.S. I don't know if they call him that anywhere else or in Japan. But anyways, great, mm-hmm. great author. And it's this documentary series where he interviews famous other artists about their process and you get to see them working in their studios and drawing stuff up and it's crazy uh have you ever read anything i know you're not as much of a manga person as you are an anime person Mm -hmm. but uh gosh who is this author's name have you ever read the manga solanin Mm -mm, no so solanin is this slice of life ish type romance manga that came out like in 2006 ish around there Mm -hmm. and it is like so beautifully drawn and this person is like really known for inyo asano that's his name this person is really known for just sort of their their really big details their their really realistic stories um and and the way they're grounded and all that and he was working on a science fiction story and he mm-hmm. was being interviewed by Naoki Urasawa, Naoki Urasawa as he was working on it. And one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So he works – a lot of artists work directly just like on paper, like paper and pen and all that. But yeah. he like does a, an amazing mixture of paper, pen, and like computer to hmm. where, where like he – there was a scene in one of his stories. I don't know which one it was, but he was um, – there were a bunch of aliens sort of dropping from the sky. Mm-hmm. And what he was doing, he drew like 30 or like maybe 50 of them with a pen and paper. And then, you know, he scanned them in and first of all, he drew the background when he traces the backgrounds of actual places and then basically adds detail to them. That's how he makes his backgrounds look so realistic. I mean, a lot of artists do that, but he really gets in there and makes it really gritty and grounded. But then he drew like these 30 aliens. He scanned them in and then he basically like replicated them, twisted and turned them. And like it looked like thousands and thousands of aliens were falling from the sky it looked amazing. Like, I highly recommend you check it out. Um, I would just type in on YouTube, Naoki Urasawa documentary, and there are, like, I think 30 or 40-minute documentaries, and I think there are three of them up right now. There's Inio Asano. There was the girl who uh, wrote Princess Jellyfish, I believe, and another artist who escapes me, but it was, like, another relatively famous artist, and it's just great. Like, pretty much what happens is a, a guy um, or a, a crew goes in, and they pretty much film this artist at work, and then they separately they film Naoki Urasawa and this person talking. And what they're doing is they're looking at the footage that the the crew recorded of that artist working, and they pretty much talk about the process and refer to the video and say, "Oh, I see you're using this type of pen," or "Oh, I see you're using this technique." Mm-hmm. Um, it's really great. Like if you're interested in that stuff, highly recommend you watch it. It's amazing. Yeah, I'd like to see how um, how different people, um, different mangakas, come up with their uh, different set, their different styles. And I think using a computer is an interesting one because I've never heard of that before. As far as using, you know, because I would imagine that they would normal, you know, Japan seems like they're such like they stick to like old standards purists, that they would, yeah. yeah, they're purists. You know, I hate purists. I guess. Uh, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> no, because there's no because when I think of purists, I think of it in like the sports sense, and I think of like baseball purists and how it just really annoys me how 
some people still think certain ways. It's just like give me a baseball example. Well, a baseball example is say there are many times where say there's a close game, someone hits a home run to like win the game, and then they like flip their bat, you know, and as they go around, and a lot of people are like, no, if you get if you do something, you know, that's you know even game breaking, you know, it's like you shouldn't you shouldn't showboat as you're going around the bases or act really happy because it's like an insult to the other team or whatever like that. Oh, you're talking about people being dicks when they're winning. Yeah, but it's like sore winners. Someone's excited. Whatever you won, it's you know if it's an important game or something like that. It's like no, but the the main thing is like uh, they say that it's improper to like flip your bat because it's so it's like an insult to the pitcher. And I was like, whatever. Who gives a shit? You're 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 happy about something. It's not ruining the game to do that, right? So there's well, like there's, that, there's, a lot of other stupid things. It's like those assholes who dance at the touchdown. I hate that. What's wrong with that? They're dicks. Well, you know what it is? I think I, <laughs> I have this very specific idea of what these these sports guys are like. And they're probably, you know, these really insecure assholes. Mm-hmm. This is obviously not potentially true. But I'm sure, like, a bunch of them have, like, huge egos. And, they, you know, they look down on people. And they're like, Shh, I'm the fucking best, bitch, and all that. And just, like, this is mm-hmm. the way they are. I'm just like, gosh, fucking be a little humble. Like, I don't mind them being happy, but... <laughs> Yeah. It's just what I imagine the rest of their life is, is they're just like, they get what they want and they, they mm-hmm. get really pissy when they lose because they're children at heart. Like they've never lost before. They've never, you know, failed at anything. So it's just like, shut yeah. up, shut up. But I mean, I might be completely wrong and I'm sure I'm wrong about like, I, I like plenty of them, but mm-hmm. the ones that I feel like dance are usually the ones that are the most annoying, the most insecure <laughs> and the most asshole-ish. And I think that's what it's more about. It, it feels like it's less about the purity of the game and more about them just being dicks. Uh-huh. Well, but anyways, I, keep, I, I do see the point on that, but I also see, the, I also see the, I also think, you know what, you might as well try and find some kind of enjoyment out of what you're doing. And if that's the way that you find enjoyment by celebrating or whatever, when you do something you know, that helps out the team and it's not just for you specifically, then sure, go for it, whatever. As long as everyone's into it, it's not just you doing it. I think that it'll, I feel like that's better. Well, I think it's okay if you're like, you know, you like jump up and down or super excited mm-hmm. or your team like jumps on you and it's exciting. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Celebrating mm-hmm. is fine, but just don't be like a showboat fucker. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like to showboat. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you're also a sore winner, so. I'm a sore loser. Yeah. I'm more a sore loser, and I'm not much of a sore winner. I've never heard of that. How can you be a sore winner? It's those people who like rub it in. Oh, uh, mm, yeah. I don't like to be a sore winner because if I do that, I feel like I'm building up karma against me to just like completely fall on my face later. Hmm. Anyways, continue about the whole purist thing in regards to the the manga artist. Thing. Oh, I would basically what I was just saying is I feel like you know because Japan seems like it's such a purist kind of uh, nation in the way that they handle in the way that they do things. I would imagine that it would be more paper and pencil, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. But but by doing it with a computer, I'd like to see how they actually involve the computer. Yeah, like I think one point they were bringing up in regards to the Inio Asano guy is mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't about making the work easier. It was about using the computer to enhance it, to basically be able to bring something that was closer to your vision, because otherwise there's just no physical way you would have been able to do that scene unless you spent too long on it. And obviously Mm -hmm. they're all on tight deadlines, so they're not able to do that. Um, Also, something that's really interesting to see is just like how awkward these artists are as far as like like the Inio Asano guy, super, super skinny awkward mm-hmm. looking and all that and it's just it's really interesting to actually see how these people look 
mm-hmm. um, and how they work and how they position themselves when they work, like hunched over or like contorting in weird ways. And this, and that. <laughs> it's really, it was really cool. Do they sit like L in Death Note? He kind of reminded, their, he kind of reminded me of up. L. Actually, I think he might have actually done that. Like he uh-huh. looks kind of like L from Death Note. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine like when they do bring that over to, you know, when that American version gets done, whenever it gets done, if they're going to, you know, I would like to see the American actor that they get to do L actually do that. They have, there's actually been some updates on the Death Note movie. Yeah, well, tell us about it, because I know that you can't stop talking about it. I cannot stop talking about it. So the studio that originally was going to bring it out was Warner Brothers. Uh Um, I'm not sure if they're still co-producing, but it's actually been bought out by Netflix. What? It's either being co-produced or produced by Netflix now. So it's going to be a Netflix movie. Netflix has been upping their fucking game in regards to movies lately. Um I know recently they they bought out the uh, to produce a Brad Pitt movie. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they had those Adam Sandler movies of which we got a trailer. There's the Ricky Gervais movie that's actually is coming out that looks mm-hmm. really good. But yeah, they're just getting a bunch of original movies, original content, and this is going to be one of them. So I'm excited. It's still going to have the same director, the same cast so far, at least that we know of. And uh, I'm excited because Netflix as of right now, has done very little wrong in the realm of production. I haven't seen any actual Netflix original movies, so I can't really comment on the quality of them. Well, they have been producing a bunch of series, though, as well. Like, I know it's two Yeah, it's things. more series, yeah. Yeah. They've done a couple of movies. Like, obviously, they did the, the Adam Sandler one, which, you know, it's Adam Sandler. You kind yeah. of get what you pay for. I'm not really holding that up <laughs> as a Netflix problem. Exactly. Uh, but the, I saw the trailer for the Ricky Gervais one, and that looks really good. Um, there have been a couple of – they do really good documentaries as well. Yeah, I've seen some of them. Um, I don't remember specifically which ones. I'd have to look it up again. But yeah, that's – I'm super excited to see the Death Note stuff, how they handle that. And yeah, how are they going to handle L? Because that's a very Japanese-looking thing. Mm-hmm. How are they going to handle that? Like, I mean, I guess it's not Japanese. Maybe I'm just thinking it's very anime, I guess I'll say. Just the way that they they do the characters. So how does that transition to American sensibilities? We will find out. Um, But yeah, so far, Adam Wingard, the guy who – he's a horror director. He's directing it. Uh, And then you have Nat Wolf, who I've mentioned before, is in such movies as Paper Towns, Mm -hmm. Stuck in Love. Uh, What was that one about the cancer girl? Uh, The Fault in uh, Our Stars. Yeah, The Fault in Our Stars, yeah. So yeah, I think – they're shooting for a release date for next year. So hmm. we're getting close. Do you, but I, I wonder how they would, I don't know. I always wonder with like Netflix original movies, because it doesn't, those movies don't really see a theatrical release, right? Because it just gets released a, on Netflix. Most of the time. Yeah. So I'm just wondering how the, how much money they'll put into it since it's going to be released specifically on Netflix, unless oh, I, they do it on Netflix and the theaters, but that would be pointless to do it on both. I don't know if I've heard this correctly, but I want to say the budget is in the realm of 50 or 60 million, mm-hmm. which is mid list, mid budget movie. Yeah. Well, how does, how does Netflix make money back on that stuff? No one knows. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm assuming <laughs> what they're doing is that they're just upping their original content as, as a way to get people to pay monthly fees. 
Oh yeah, didn't I think they're like didn't they charge like two dollars more now? I think for it, so now it's a little. It's nine ninety nine a month. Nine ninety nine a month to get it. Not, that is not a bad deal. That's really that is good. horrible. How dare you? I have been a Netflix user for that sounds bad. Netflix user for it for like three or four years. I demand my old price. That's it. My yeah. dad, my dad got Netflix for the first time like back in two thousand one, two thousand two, when it was like mailing stuff. Oh. And it was like all they had were weird independent movies at the time. Uh-huh. He got this stupid movie. It was called Inbred Rednecks. <laughs> it was the worst movie of all time. It was like this. Did your, dad, did your dad just get it to laugh at them? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then we watched it and it was like, this is fucking horrible. Like there was this. It, it was like really weird. Like there was this scene where they're having cockfightings, cockfights. And. With with chickens, right? Well, yeah, that's what cockfighting okay. is. Well, but I know, but at the beginning we didn't know that's what it was, and this guy he was like, "Oh, that's the biggest cock I've ever seen in my life." <laughs> and then you know, then you see the the silhouette of a gigantic rooster, and I was just like, "What am I watching? What is going on here? This is awful." And that's also where we found the movie Snitched, which is also one of my all time favorite terrible movies, mm-hmm. directed by James Cahill. So you should check that out if if you haven't. I had Netflix back when it was a, a mail service thing. I meant the online service. Right. I've been I using that for three, four years. There was definitely a stage where I think it lasted about a year where it's like, oh, yeah, I get two DVDs at a time. Also, mm-hmm. three hours of streaming a month. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you can watch a movie and a half with that. <laughs> wow. I don't remember them doing that. I just remember using uh, just using the uh, back, and, back and forth uh dvd service i remember i tried doing uh gamefly as well which is kind of like the game version of netflix where you just get games over but it was so much more expensive so i was like yeah no yeah i mean it also makes sense because and it's weird because games they take so much longer like unless you're it's it's unless you game all the fucking time it's like not even worth it almost Mm -hmm. yeah i'm not sure how that works anymore but um what else was i going to move on to we were talking about – sorry, go ahead. Nothing. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, you, you mentioned you sent me a link to boxers. <laughs> or not boxers. Oh, well, that had, to do, that had to do with the One Piece, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Let's uh, top back to that. I'm organized, yeah. I swear, except not today. Uh, you saw online they had a pair of oven mitts that are Law's hands. Yes, yeah, so it has both his front, the front of his hands and back of his hands. So uh, when so the oven mitts basically have his, you know, his hands with his tattoos and his death on there. Um, yeah, they're oven mitts. I mean, what won't One Piece be? Like, what what kind of uh, what kind of you know property will they not do? I tell you what, they will do, and they do have. They have it. toilet paper, so I mean, fuck, you can wipe your ass with One Piece if you don't like it. They have Gear Four. Boxers, oh, that's true. Which uh, I want to talk about. I want to talk about my underwear situation. Dominic, what's your underwear situation like these days? Boxers. Straight boxers? Just straight boxers, yeah. What do you work out in? I have never – same thing. I've never tried boxer briefs. Boxer? You work out in – how do you run ever? Yeah. You run in boxers? Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> so I used to be able to run in whatever – or work out and run in whatever I felt like. Back in high school, it's like, psh, didn't matter. Boxers, doesn't matter how baggy. I can run with them easily. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, yeah, then they basically chafe and write up too much now. And yep. I'm just like, I'm not going to wear briefs. Fuck that. But uh, boxer briefs became a thing. And mm-hmm. now I, I wear boxer briefs. But I can't just have normal cotton boxer brief. I need to have, like, the Under Armour type now. 
Mm-hmm. And nowadays, like I don't even bother with with cotton at all. I just go straight whatever material that is. Like so, so stuff. what is the big difference between the material, the cotton, and the material that they use for the Under Armour? Cotton also chafes. Oh. Yeah, it's really, and it also it, it um it loosens a lot as throughout the so, day. So, so, it, by the end, so it's all it basically saggy. breaks. <laughs> it's all easier. saggy and stuff by the end of the day as well. Whereas the other stuff isn't. It's like forever support and then also wraps around your legs and you know it allows so when they rub up against each other they slip and slide mm-hmm. but anyways i bring this up because it looks like this is like the same material that the one piece gear for underwear is made of and i really <laughs> want it and it looks like it's 20 dollars, which is not worth it but it looks awesome but you could have gear for luffy on your crotch i could and your ass i could but i want it they're awesome and I hope they're not cotton. I think at some point I'm probably going to get them just for shits and giggles. But we'll see. We shall yeah, see. you'll probably have to run that by your fiance. Nah, I'll just get it. <laughs> He'll be fine. She'll deal with it. Um, moving on to uh, semi-anime. How do you move on news. from boxer briefs? <laughs> moving on to semi-anime related news. And by that, I mean not really. Let's If, we, if it's really tangential. So mm-hmm. uh, we have... The Power Rangers movie happening, and the, the connection there is that it's based on the Japanese property Super Sentai. For mm-hmm. those of you who didn't know, who just I'm sure is that is, actually what it's just called, Super Sentai, or is there more to it? I'm sure there. I think that's like the base name, and I think mm-hmm. they they extrapolate from there into different titles. But I'm not the person to talk to you about that. I think Doctor has watched a lot of Super Sentai, so he would be the person. He would be able to tell you the specific series. It's from. Exactly. Um, but anyway, so pretty much what they did was they. Took the Japanese stuff, cut together American stuff, and then made their own series. And they called it the Power Rangers back in the 90s, and it's continued pretty much every year since then. Mm-hmm. And now they're making a live action, obviously, because that's what it was to begin with. But they're making a full-on Hollywood movie out of it. And the character, if you recall, Rita Repulsa, she was this really – she was basically a space witch, I guess you'd call her. Mm-hmm. And they're bringing her back for the movie. And obviously she's going to look completely different, and she's going to be played by Elizabeth Banks. For those of you who don't know Elizabeth Banks, she has been in such movies as Zack and Miri Make a Porno, The Hunger Games. Uh, the Hunger Games, she played Effie Trinket. She was the, the colorful-haired lady, lady who worked on making Katniss, I guess, look pretty. And what else is there? A bunch of other stuff. She also recently directed and starred in Pitch Perfect 2. So she actually has, has sort of risen in the ranks as like one of the most profitable female directors of all time mm-hmm. because that movie made bank. And she's probably coming back for the third one as well. But she is playing Rita Repulsa, and they recently had an image of her released online. Dominic, do you know anything about the old Power Rangers, about Rita Repulsa, and what do you think of this I do remember. I remember watching uh, the original Power Rangers when I was a kid and um, kicking and punching things all the time. <laughs> it's a big reason why parents didn't want kids to watch the show, because they would get violent. Right. Um, so, yeah, I do remember Rita Repulsa. Um, and this outfit is it's obviously a lot different because it's more of kind of like an uh, an updated version, which, you know, you kind of have to do when you when you move on. You can't have the same old, you know, look and everything like that. Um, I like it. I think it looks cool. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, she's wearing sort of this super villain. It looks kind of like Poison Ivy. Mm-hmm. To be frank. And then she are, has... are we talking about are we talking about Poison Ivy from Batman or Robin? Yes. Or Poison Ivy in general. I meant, I meant in that quality. 
No, 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 no. The quality looks okay. better, but I'm talking about just okay. sort of the style of it. You know, it's green. Um, mm-hmm. And then she has these Freddy Krueger type nails, it looks like, attached to her. Um, yeah. And it looks like she, she also has these, I want to call them face tattoos, but it's like those tattoos where you put something on on your body and then you stand out in the sun for a while. And like how mm-hmm. it's like white underneath that part, but then darker all around. It looks like she has that on her face and her hair is green and pulled back and it has like these metallic things over it. So mm-hmm. it's like it's like not even close to what it originally was. Um, not that it's a bad thing because they obviously need to change a lot because sensibilities have changed. And also it's a full on movie, not a, you know, a really, 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 really cheap ass TV show. <laughs> like, let's admit it. The movie, the yeah. TV show fucking cheap as shit i remember watching it recently because it came on netflix and i was just waiting for the sex scenes to start because that's what the quality looked like it looked like a cheap porno wait what was it you were watching the power rangers tv show oh, and you were waiting for sex scenes to start no the quality was that bad where it looked like a oh porno. yeah where it looked like kind of like that kind of porno where you're like what you're like can i make it out it looks like remember like old old tv where it's like you're you're changing and you kind of get the like that but you're like i think i can kind of make out stuff it's not that bad quality but no i, I mean I that quality of like the production value is so bad yeah. and the acting is so bad and everything the writing is terrible the costumes are awful it's just it's just all around terrible i haven't watched any in a long time like any past really the first one mm-hmm. uh do they still do the same thing where they just basically dub over the japanese where they just bring over the Japanese, they don't refilm anything. I haven't watched Power Rangers show since like 1995, so I can't really yeah. speak to that. But I mean, I think they still dub over the costumed portions. Yeah, I mean it's it's sense. a way it's a way to keep the budget down. But I know <laughs> they I think they also film a lot more than they used to of the live action American stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're able to. The production value seems to have gone up quite a bit. I've watched scenes of, like, Power Rangers in the past. Mm-hmm. Like, there was this one, I want to say about five years ago, maybe six years ago, where it's, like, all the different Power Rangers from, like, generations of Power Rangers came together. And it was, like, super explodey and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, I'm looking forward to this movie. I hope it's awesome. I hope it's not terrible. I am a bit worried because they're going for about, I think, a 30 or $40 million budget, mm-hmm. which I would normally think is okay. But with the exception of maybe Deadpool, mm-hmm. the last mid-budget movie to do well has been questionable uh, because usually it's either less than $20 million, and that's like an indie flick, or <laughs> north of $100 million. In the past five or so years, the mid-budget movie, basically anything in between that, there really hasn't been a whole lot because you know they're they're past the point where you know if it's under 20 million the studio could be like okay we'll make that back that's fine that's easy but if it's above but if it's you know over 100 million it's like okay we can make explosions so we'll make sure it's it's you know it works across many audiences like people cg explosions right people will go see it but then if it's in between that it's just like you can't really afford the big, big explosions and you're not guaranteed to make your money back so it's like a questionable investment and mm-hmm. that's kind of why they've disappeared in recent years. But with the recent uh, success of Deadpool, maybe we'll get more of them. I think if this film does not have Bulk and Skull in it, it will not work. <laughs> Did you know that? I think Bulk and Skull are actually still in the show. Are they? <laughs> I think they're really old. <laughs> they're like the one mainstay across the board or something. Well, I think those were original characters, weren't they? I think they were just oh, yeah. added. Oh, yeah, because yeah. they were they were played by white guys, so I don't think they were. I don't think they were in the original show. Yeah, they're so terrible. 
so bad. They're so 90s. Yeah. I mean, not it's, just 90s, just childish, too. Isn't it just fun to, like, look back at shows from the 90s and be like, wow, that really is the 90s right there? We recently started watching Full House. Oh, God, yeah. It starts but, off but Full House, strong. But Full House was, like, 80s. in that transition period. It was, like, mid to late 80s, like, transitioning to the 90s. Kind of like how Saved by the Bell was the same way where um, it was, I think, like, 86 or 87. And then it made its way through the 90s. But it's funny, like, how even when it transitioned to the 90s, everyone still looked like they were in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, I think a, a movie or show that worked that works better for the 90s aspect is Friends. Yeah, but that was like that was like mid to late nineties, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was mid nineties, and then it went through like mid two thousands. I think that was probably yeah. It, it makes it makes more sense at that point. I think that's a better representation of the nineties, mainly because and it's also uh, like adult. It's not just kids. Yeah, and it's adult. Uh, I think that's a better representation of the nineties because of the time period of the the, the time point of the nineties when it came out. Because mm-hmm. I I feel I always feel like the first few years of like a new decade, people are kind of transitioning to what that decade's going to be. Like uh, the first years, like two thousand to two thousand two, I felt like it still felt a lot like the late nineties. It didn't feel like it was that different to me until like later on. Then I'm like, okay, I can see there's like different styles and clothing and different changes in like the television and things that are going on in pop culture so i always feel like anything if you watch anything from like uh 90 to 93 94 a lot of it reminds me of like the cheesy 80s stuff yeah yeah that stuff carried over for you know it tends to do that every few years or it bleeds over into each decade the stuff Mm -hmm. from the previous decade so i'm gonna move on a little bit from anime related stuff we're we're kind of leaving that in the dust but i want to talk about something that i personally am so excited for is it westerns oh it is western it is it is the magnificent seven trailer <laughs> which just dropped last week mm-hmm. and i couldn't be more thrilled with it for those of you who don't know magnificent seven is an it's a long-standing western property it was a film originally that came out in 1960 and at the time it was based on a 1954 japanese movie which you may have heard of called Seven Samurai, which has mm-hmm. essentially been remade in many different forms. Uh, a Bug's Life, the Pixar movie, is essentially Seven Samurai. Shut up, really? Dead serious. Well, the story, I didn't know that. Yeah, the, the story <laughs> about Seven Samurai is like there's a there's a village that is every year gets essentially run over with by bandits who like steal from them and you know kill people and all that. And it's just awful. Mm-hmm. And they basically decide they've had enough and one of the guys or one of the guys decides he has enough and goes off to find seven rogue samurai to help save the village mm-hmm. and you know train the villagers to fight and all that and fight off the bandits for good and that has mm-hmm. since been remade you know it was remade in, uh, with magnificent seven which was a western you know essentially the same thing they're think being overrun by mexican bandits and they had to save the villages and obviously a bug's life the the uh, grasshoppers were the the bandits and yeah, it's been done many, many times, and this is a new interpretation, and it looks amazing. It looks like so much fun. What did you think of it, Dominic? I thought it looked really great, and uh, I'm not a real big fan of the Western genre, as I have told you earlier, uh, before we recorded and before, I think it was like earlier in the week, uh, because I recall there was a, uh, we were talking about Legends of Tomorrow, and there was a recent episode where they were in the West, and I just 
kind of go grown a little bit because I'm not exactly sure what it is that I don't like about the Western setting. I'm just not a big fan of it. Like when I watch Back to the Future, I hate part three. I just can't stand part three. I love part one and part two. I like the old 50s setting. I like the futuristic setting, even though, you know, looking back at it now, it's like, yeah, right. None of that shit ever happened. Right. Um, and it was really unrealistic. But I'm not sure. I think it's just because of the to me, it seems like a minimalist setting. It's like super back down to earth, like as far as like there's no technological advances, which I don't care about. I don't need computers and all that stuff. That's fine. Like I said, I like the 50 setting. There's not, you know, computers and that technology stuff. Um, and I always feel like when there's Westerns, they're always uh, very I felt like they're limited, like in, in scope and space, because a lot of them always take place in like little towns. Mm-hmm. And sure, there's like times where they go out. Um, you know, I do like when there's Westerns where they, there's multiple towns or there's um, or, you know, there's um, traveling in the plains and everything like that. Uh, but I always feel like Westerns are always so super closed in because of like how, you know, there were really maybe there were trains or it might be in the transition period before trains. So it's like every town is like super cut off from everything. And I always just feel like a kind of like uh I don't know. I, I just hate that whole like closed setting. But watching this trailer, it made me think, you know what? This doesn't seem like a normal um, Western. It seemed a lot more uh, kind of more mo- like a modern take to mm-hmm. me. The trailer seemed like a more modern take on it. And, you know, it's got Chris Pratt and Denzel Washington from what I could see. Vincent D'Onofrio, Ethan Hawke. Mm-hmm. I like Vincent D'Onofrio. I've liked him in a lot of things now. I didn't realize um, I didn't really know him as much of an actor because I'm not, you know, I'm not the movie buff that you are. Right. Um, so I didn't really know him until anything until I saw him in Daredevil. And then I started looking at him and everything else. And uh, he had the I best really, death really in the really like world. Guy. Yes. Yes. He was great in Jurassic World. I was like, is that the same guy? Yeah, it is the same guy when I was first watching in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, watching this trailer, I even I got excited for this and I'm a violent detractor of western themed uh settings and it reminded me a lot of your book dangerous faces mm-hmm. uh in in tone so i was thinking that they must have read your f- first two volumes and that decided was to steal it that was it that's what exactly what happened but i mean i love this so much and and i think it is a part of what you're talking about how it, it kind of has the same tone as my book and mm-hmm. that is one of the reasons i love it so much not because of that but let me just go back a bit so I'm a huge fan of the westerns. I love westerns like my whole life. It's just been, it's been my jam. I fucking love it. Um, mm-hmm. But in the mid to late 2000s, I really started to notice that all the westerns that came out were just so fucking serious. Like they mm-hmm. were so grounded and gritty. The show Deadwood is like the most boring show known to mankind. <laughs> they just fucking talk uh-huh. all the time, and I'm just like, this is like no fun. The closest fun Western that I came to seeing in that time period was the South Korean Western, The Good, The Bad, The Weird. Mm-hmm. And that was that was pretty fun. But even that was a little too serious for me. And I was just like, is there like a fun Western anymore? Like, I really want there to be a fun Western. And then I was in school and I was doing like a, a TV pilot thing. So I was just like, I'll write a TV pilot. And I ended up writing the Dangerous Faces TV pilot. And mm-hmm. since after I graduated, I turned it into a uh, uh, screenplay, which didn't really work. And then eventually I, I decided to turn it into a book series, which I'm currently working on now. 
and it, I try to have it have that same tone. Like I want it to be fun. I want it to be you know, lots of shooting, lots of guns, lots of explosions. Um, when people pull out their guns, they they actually fire them. It's not just a bunch of people pointing at each other and then not firing their guns. That's, mm-hmm. And this looks like it has that same fun, you know, explodey, you know, kind of tongue in cheek tone to it. And it comes from a director who I really like, who directed Training Day, and it has a, a shit ton of talent in it, and you know, in front of the camera as well. So I'm just all for this in every way imaginable, and I hope it brings about, you know, more fun westerns rather than the super serious ones. Yeah, I do notice that a lot of westerns seemed very serious. Um, a lot of them. I mean, I don't watch. I don't watch a whole lot of westerns. I, I've seen a few of the older spaghetti western films, and I always kind of liked. I think how I always liked the older Clint Eastwood um, movies. Right. And I don't know if that's considered a spaghetti western or not. I don't uh, know what depends. is considered and what isn't. It like, what is the, the what is the typical uh, definition of what you see in a spaghetti western? Uh, if it's is western made in Italy. Oh, okay. Hence spaghetti. Well, yeah, because, you know, only Italians make spaghetti, no yep. one else. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I tend to like the uh, to like the old Clint Eastwood ones. I was trying to think of ones of Westerns that I have seen in the last decade, and I can't really think of too many because I don't actively seek out the genre. Right. But I do understand what you're saying. I think I've seen a few episodes of Deadwood, and I know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. About um, how just it's very uh, dialogue heavy and not a whole lot of action. Um, and it does take itself a little too seriously. Um, are Westerns supposed to be like a really fun kind of like experience? Is that what is that what you look for in that's, Westerns? That's what I look for. I don't think a Western mm-hmm. has to be anything because obviously it just depends on – what the story you're trying to tell. Mm-hmm. But when I see a Western, I want it to be fun. Mm-hmm. Personally. Like, you can have, like, obviously... if Well, a, how much fun can you have in a Western, though? Because <laughs> this goes back to my dislike of Westerns, because I feel like you're you're limited in what you can do as far as your setting. I don't understand what you're saying. Why can't you have an awesome story with a Western? What do you mean? What are you, what are you talking about when you I'm say talking about it's like, limited? Like, I feel like it's limited because if you're... I'm talking about, like, towns. Towns seem like they're limited. Like, they don't really have a whole lot of things in a town they don't have a lot of businesses they have like there's usually like a bank there's a saloon where everyone's playing cards or drinking there's uh there's usually a guy on a piano i like that guy um there's you know little buildings here and there there's a limited amount of people and there's usually you know people who live outside of the law there's you know bandits and all these other kind of you know people like that there's sheriffs the 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 bit the thing i I think I like the best about Westerns is when there's like a standoff and when there is, uh, was it, it, it is, what's that thing called? Uh, or, or like the pistol duels. I like right. those, you know, that's like, I think my favorite part of a Western because there's like some kind of action and some kind of a consequence to it. Right. For the most part. And, and I, like I said, I can't really put my finger on what it is. I dislike about Westerns. It's just, it just doesn't really appeal to me normally. But this, but watching this trailer, it makes it seem like it could be appealing to me. Right. I mean, understandable. Like, I, I guess it's just weird that you. I like, know. It's limited. I know. Like, I understand what you mean, but at the same time, I just think maybe you just don't like the western setting. It's, it's you don't. That doesn't interest you, which is fine. Like the yeah. western, it's a genre. 
genres don't necessarily appeal to everybody so yeah and it might just be the setting i mean i i and like i said i haven't seen a lot of westerns so i can't really say much about i feel like i i have to i would have to like really discredit myself from a conversation speaking about the western genre specifically because i feel like i don't have enough of a uh sample size to really you know complain about it yeah i mean yeah to, to be fair to be fair to the western genre I mean, yeah. if if it's if you don't dig it, you don't dig it. That's just the mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, uh, like I, I I have to be fair about it. So yeah, it's fair. All right, so I think I'm out of things to talk about unless you did want to you, bring stuff. Did up. you did you like uh, going back onto Legends of Tomorrow? Did you catch up all the way? No, no, I just watched that one episode. I'm kind of appreciating spoilers. I I'm appreciating the things that they've done with uh, Rory, not Rory. What's yeah, his heat, name? Heat Wave, right? Yeah, Heat Wave. Rory. Yeah, that's that Rory. Rory. Okay, yeah. yeah, him. Like I appreciate what they're they're doing with his character. Like, I, I like I like him because the actor's name is Dominic. <laughs> God. Um, so yeah, the the stuff with him, like, I I really appreciate that because I remember at the beginning of the series where I was just like, there's so many fucking people, like mm-hmm. so many, like I don't care about any of them, like there's too many people, and then they killed one. And there's too many people, and then one of them betrayed them. And I'm like, okay. They basically mm-hmm. gave them a lot of stuff to work with so that, you know, they're able to actually, you know, kill them off, make sacrifices, have twists and turns here and there. Like, it's actually really cool, the things they've been able to do with it. Mm-hmm. The show itself has been okay. Like, yeah, it's really kind of cheesy. Like, sometimes I hate every episode that actually has the main villain in it. <laughs> like, he's the worst villain ever. Yeah, Vandal Savage. Vandal Savage is awful. At least he is the way he's shown in the show. The problem that I have with Vandal Savage as far as like a villain is that I feel like there's no true definite way of finishing him. I mean, basically Hawk Girl has to do it and she's never around when they find her and she's never ready to kill him. So it's just, it's just annoying. Well, how did they kill him? Well, didn't they killed him before in the that Flash Arrow crossover? Oh, you weren't, you weren't, you didn't, you're not caught up that far as no, far no, as No, I, I saw the crossover too, but yeah, okay. they, they killed him, but it yeah. wasn't, she didn't do it herself with the special knife, so it didn't uh-huh. count, so he comes back to life. Is that, is that how that worked? I think so, yeah. Because I felt like... Because they also, wasn't... like, killed him in another episode, but then he'll come back to life because he's Vandal Savage and he's immortal. Oh, I didn't think that's what it was, because it seemed like they had actually, like, they made it sound like, yeah, he was finished off because... It seems like to me the way to kill him is like with any artifact from, you know, their time when he originally died. So it seemed like, yeah, he was dead. He had crumbled to dust or whatever had happened. And then uh, and then he was like saved at the very end of the episode or whatever by uh, uh, the guy from Arrow. I forget his name. Um, uh, Malcolm. Uh, whatever. I forget. He's, he's the main villain in the first season. What is his name? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, his name's Malcolm. League of Shadows guy. Yeah, yeah. League of... Yeah, that guy. Uh, League of Assassins guy. Yeah, so he was, like, saved at the very end. He's like, yeah, you'll... you'll," He's like, yeah, you'll owe me one or something like that. So that's, to me, that's how he came back. Like, that he was dead at that time, but then he just came back because he was helped. Yeah, it's just because he was Probably threw him in the Lazarus... Probably threw his ashes in the Lazarus pit or something. Yeah, I have no... Like, that shit doesn't make sense like it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense but it's I, called a writing uh deus ex machina yeah they have a lot of those um but yeah it's a, it's a comic book thing oh yeah i know like league of shadow or league of shadows legends of tomorrow um mm-hmm. it, it's pretty good it has its strengths but i i'm wondering 
how long it can continue. But I, like I said, I'm I appreciating... think it's supposed to have a shorter season than the normal uh, the normal series because, like, I think like yeah. Flash and Arrow have like a 22 episode kind of season. I think Legends of Tomorrow is supposed to have a shorter season. Yeah, it seems like it because, like, it, I remember going on Hulu and like, Jesus, it's been like weeks since they've had a new episode. Like, it goes weeks without new episodes, and I think mm-hmm. they're probably going to end up with like 13 or 15 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but which makes sense because the they're a really high production budget. It seems like. Oh, are they? Well, it seems like it. Like, compare it to, you know, any of the other shows. It's, like, a lot of explosions, a lot of different sets, <laughs> a lot of costume changes. It's, you know, it's higher production value. Um, I will say about... To juggle. I will say... Go ahead. Sorry. That's it. Continue. I will say, going back onto the subject of uh, Rory and what they did is, I felt like it was good to get a little more on the character because before he was on that show, I felt like that we really knew nothing about Heatwave. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he was just the him. angry fire guy. Yeah, he was just the angry guy who liked to burn things. Yeah. Um, so I think what they've done with his character uh, actually was a lot uh, was a little eye opening, and I think I like I like seeing that whole kind of collaboration between him and Snart. Yeah. Like see how they actually like get along together, get a little past it, and it's kind of funny. I don't know how far you. I'm. Are. Uh, I got to the episode where they captured him. Rory. Okay. I was going to say, I liked how, you know, there was that whole collaboration between like them being in jail together and Rory protecting Snart and everything like that. And it's like, it's just like, oh, that's so cute because they were in Prison Break together. Were they? Yeah. They were, the, they were the main characters from Prison Break, both of them. Both of them were the main characters? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the character that play or the guy that plays uh, Rory was the brother that's uh, guy who played Snart went in to go rescue. No shit. I didn't know that he was in it, too. I knew that Snart was in it, but I didn't know he was. That's yeah, well, interesting. That's really cool. I, I want to um, be really sure before I actually say that because I thought it was, and I'm going to check and see if it is. Yes, he was. It yeah. was. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like, I never I never watched Prison Break, so I can't speak to that. I didn't either, but from what I've heard, uh, the first two seasons are good, and then it goes downhill after that. So it's like they, Arrow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. So, like, Arrow, I haven't caught up. I'm pretty much in the same position I've been for the past two months because mm-hmm. we're we're on the tail end of of season two and you could already see the tremendous quality drop off from season one, mm-hmm. like it's just ridiculous. The show lost focused so hardcore after the first season. What is it that they lost focus on? He's no longer going down a list. He's mm-hmm. just reactionary. He's not actively trying to do stuff. He's reacting to everything. Everyone knows he's the arrow. Um, <laughs> uh laurel is awful she's fucking terrible she gets worse yeah i know it's terrible she like blames everybody for shit and you know what really bothered me like at the end of season one where the arrow arrow lifts lifted the shit off of her and she ran out without even mm-hmm. thinking without even trying to help her boyfriend at the time and yeah. he dies and it's just like and then she blames you everyone else Tommy. and then she blames everybody else for it and i'm like fuck you you like ran out you didn't even look back you ran the fuck out as soon as like he lifted it off of you uh-huh <laughs> i hate her like i hate her so much like i don't hate characters on tv but i hate her mm-hmm. wow how do you feel about her sister she's all right yeah she's all right she's all right like i don't have any problems with her she's she's kind of awkward mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's just the way that she's made up i don't know i don't know I've never seen her in anything else. I know she's been in other things, but I haven't seen her in anything else. So I, can't, I. I don't have anything to compare it to. It's just really weird when you look back at season one because that's like a very different Sarah. Uh huh. Like as far as who played her, they look nothing yeah. alike. Um, but I do like that they like she's really buff and stuff, so you could buy her as that character, mm-hmm. like actually able to kick ass. 
So that's nice. So but you're yeah. stuck in season two and you're not going to get all the way caught up? I'll get there eventually, but it's just... Oh, okay. I don't know. I'll get there. It's just time. I think season three was universally like disliked by fans. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was, eh, it was okay for what it was. Like, eh. Well, people seem to like season two, and season two is hard for us to get through. It's just get, it's getting overly convoluted. I think people like season two only because of Slade. I think they yeah. like the character of Slade and how it seemed like the flashbacks that was going on, like eventually corresponded to what was going on at the present time. Mm-hmm. That I think that's what people liked. It was like there was some kind of connection other than just showing what went on, you know, during the time that he was there. Right. Uh, which season three and four, well, four kind of works a little bit of the flashbacks in season three. I felt like doesn't at all. Hmm. But yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, whatever it, it is, what it is. Uh, but yeah, I think Legends of Tomorrow, it's, it's like you say, it's an okay show, but I do like how it expands on some of the characters there. I do like that they definitely have a purpose and they have a constant drive and it makes each episode seem like they're at least trying to do stuff. Uh-huh. Um, I, th- I think I mentioned this before, like one of my biggest gripes with Doctor Who was that, I'm here, I'm British, I'm... Yeah, I'm there was like no up. reason for, for him doing anything. Either. Yeah. yeah, and there were these guys, it's like they have a mission, they're trying to do it and there's mm-hmm. infighting and then people are actually dying and stuff and sacrifices are actually being made. And then they disappear for two years and they have to live two years in the fifties and stuff. And then that causes Mm -hmm. stuff. And I'm like, Whoa, shit's happening. I kind of like the direction it's, Mm -hmm. it's going. The execution is okay, but I'm appreciating the risks that they're taking with the storytelling. Did you like the Palmer hot girl pairing? I'm okay with it. I'm okay. I don't really. I'm not really interested in her as a character. Yeah, she's very bland. She's very bland, and it bothers. Like I, I know um, one of the the reviewers on Latina Review. He's just like, if she says just a few oh, weeks I used ago, to I used to be a barista. Like yeah, weeks ago I was I a barista. That. Like I don't have to deal with this. It's like stop. You said that 18 times. Yeah, I mean, it, she hasn't said it recently. So I well, guess it's been two like, years oh, now. She's yeah. I I get that, but it was like so. It was really annoying before when she used to be like oh yeah i was a barista it's like yeah i get it i don't care wouldn't Shut it be funny if she said like just a few weeks ago i was a housewife <laughs> in the 50s <laughs> yeah it's pretty bad <laughs> oh my but god yeah I don't, I don't like her too much i like i like ray he's cool i like how boy scouty he is i mean obviously i don't, I don't know how consistent that is with his character in arrow Oh, Ray. I was trying to think. I was like, who? I, it's funny. You said Ray, and I was thinking of um, Star Wars. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Ray Palmer. Um, but yeah, yeah, Ray Palmer. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he's, that's the same as his character in Arrow. Okay. It doesn't really change. Okay, cool. Yeah, like, uh, that's awesome. That's good that they do that. I like his character in that regard, but yeah, I don't know about the whole romantic thing. It's fine. I'll deal with it. I feel like it's just tacked on. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I mean, it makes sense why he would fall for her because she's the only like female on the crew that seems like she'd be interested in anybody well they were stuck in the 50s together well yeah i get that but i'm talking about like before that i think he liked her yeah, i mean yeah sure he's <laughs> really is the only other female on the crew yeah so, do. um uh... we, didn't we originally want to talk about something about anime and how we got into it no not that not today at oh. some point. No, no, sorry. That wasn't the plan for today. Oh, I thought it was. That's no. why I was like waiting. I was like, are we going to get to that? No, no, we're not. We're f- like, we'll deal with that a different week. I want to get like a, a guest or two on for that one. 
Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Let's get someone else from the uh, Drop in the X podcast. Let's get, um, I don't know, we can get Eddie and Foxy on for that. Okay. Well, I, I, there's also one other person I want to get on for that, but we'll talk about that at a different time. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, though? Next time, I, next anime we're talking about is Your Lie in April. Um, we, how did we hear about that? We first heard about it because One Piece creator Ichiro Oda said that he was jealous of the creator because he was able to write such a beautiful love story and that he cannot write a love story. True. So, he, uh, the yeah. animation in the anime looks, the anime adaptation looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty. I'm excited to watch it. It's just a matter of finding the time to watch it, which is uh-huh. always a thing. It's the eternal struggle that I have. Well, it's on Netflix, so, I mean, you love using Netflix. Yeah. Well, it's it's not about it being available. It's about time. Watch it with your girl. Yeah, I might. I might. It might be. See, it looks, I'm see not sure if she can like it. I don't know. I don't know what the series is like. It's a thing. Like, I'm not sure if, like, should I? Because I'm not sure what we're in, what's in store for us. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the what it's going to be like? It's nope, be I haven't like... watched it yet. And I don't know. It's just really difficult for me to watch high school related stuff in general. I'm just like, Ugh, another high school show. Stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Enough old man ranting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't mind. No, actually, it's a lie. I do mind it. I yeah. understand why it's there. It makes sense. I've just I've outgrown that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's no longer relatable to me. And I just, yeah. Really quick before we go, do you think that um, uh, Civil War will outsell Batman versus Superman? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Batman v Superman right now, I think, is like 850 million, give or take. Um, it definitely underperformed. That's still a lot. It's, it's a lot. Like, it's not a failure. Like, it's a bit of a disappointment. I think they were expecting to crack a billion at least. Um, they were also expecting probably if they could to make like 1.3 billion or something because they had two. What is the what is the average? Would you say what do you think is the average for one of those films now for you know a block you know a big budget comic book film? What it do you varies, think? It's the it varies now? because it varies on on how well known they are. Like Ant Man, the the lower profile ones, you know, 600 million. Um, the higher profile ones, 900 to 1.1 billion or something. Mm-hmm. About Guardians of the Galaxy, did that one sell really well? I think that did like eight hundred million. Here, let me see mm-hmm. real quick. Yeah, I was, was just I was just thinking it was a surprise kind of- hit, but I mean, it also depends on the budget. The the problem with Batman v Superman is that the budget was so ridiculously high. Mm-hmm. So uh, Guardians of the Galaxy made seven hundred and seventy three point three million, and that was like on a hundred and fifty million dollar budget. Um, hmm. I think for Batman v Superman, their budget was a reported two hundred and fifty million, but wow. I've heard tales that it was actually closer to four hundred million. But they still made their money back, and then some. Debatably, because <laughs> like, I, well, I, I guess that, you, I guess you also, you also have to take into consideration cost for advertising and cost, cost for, for advertising other is like usually that. double the budget. Really? Yeah, or not double the budget. Usually is the same as the budget of the movie. So if like the budget is 150 million, chances are they have 150 ish million dollars for budget or for the uh, advertising. Wow. So that, yeah, that adds to it really I didn't fast. think advertising costs that much. <laughs> oh yeah. It's expensive. So, which is why where it's like, if it's 400 million, then advertising is that much. 
uh-huh. then they don't even take a hundred percent cut of ticket sales. So mm-hmm. you know, because they have to split it with theater and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Like it's kind of like, did they make their money back? I'm pretty sure they did, and I'm pretty sure they made at least you know fifty to a hundred million dollars profit off Batman v Superman. It's just they probably didn't make what they wanted. And they'll say, "Eh, we'll cut our losses." What do you mean? Oh, oh, I'm, oh, I don't know. I guess what I, I guess what I was saying, <laughs> I guess what I meant was that they would just look at that and say, "Eh, whatever." You know, well, we they're made, moving. We forward. made what we made. We'll try it. We'll, we'll hopefully make more with the next movie. <laughs> yeah, and they they will. Like Suicide Squad looks awesome. Yeah, I think it will. Um, I think that would probably do better. Did you see the ballroom Superman? blitz trailer for that? I did. It looked great. I was I was very. Um, very reserved about how I felt about the film at first, just be, you know, based off of what I had seen before. Um, but that trailer actually kind of changed my mind about how I feel about Suicide Squad. So I think I will see that one in theaters because I was like, eh, I'll wait on that one. But now I'm like, you know what? That looks fun. It looks like something. I mean, the thing is, is with these movies, I don't care if it's fun. I don't care if it's, you know, super serious, that kind of thing. I just want to see something that makes me leave the theater saying, yeah, that was good. It made me think and it was enjoyable to watch. Right. Like, I don't. Yeah, I'm not super you know, specific about what has to be in uh, a DC or a Marvel or a comic book film, because I feel like each film is different in its own regard. As far as like if we're talking Marvel, I feel like each film or each TV series they have has its own kind of theme to it. Right. And it's own different tone. So it's like whatever you get the best of all worlds. Yeah. I mean, that's the approach they need to take if they want to make uh, the comic movies long, like as yeah. far as the lifespan, because if it's all the same. Mm-hmm. It's not going to last so long that people are going to get sick of it. And people are already getting sick of Marvel and superhero stuff just by virtue of the fact that they're superhero stuff. And so that they're they so... to play up the differences. <laughs> and that they're what? And that they're plentiful, that there's so many of them, would yeah. you say? Yeah. yeah, that there's so many of them and that they're all samey. So they have to, yeah. which is why I, I was one of the few people who really liked Batman v Superman, even though it's kind of, it's definitely flawed. Mm-hmm. I liked how different it was from the typical stuff that you get. Mm-hmm. But there are definitely some issues with that movie. Well, a lot of complaints I saw was people just didn't feel like it was fun. I don't and care about like, that. Eh, whatever. That's people projecting their own. They think, oh, a comic book movie should be fun. It's like, no, a comic book movie should be whatever it needs to be to get to do what it does. Like, there were some choppy storytelling issues with Batman v Superman, but my, I would never say that the problem is it's not fun. I think that's mm-hmm. stupid. Mm-hmm. I think like if you say that you're you've lost cre- credibility in my mind because you're already, <laughs> as a reviewer <laughs> as a reviewer because yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly. projecting like what you want and expect to see you're not you're not judging it on the merits of everything as right. far as storytelling and um and acting and direction right now granted you could criticize Batman v Superman for those things I could understand why it's not everybody's cup of tea but personally like mm-hmm. I really enjoyed what it brought to the table and the, yeah. the risks it took so. That's my own personal thoughts, but I, I once again I get it if you didn't like it either, and I get why people are just like, "Oh, this is awful." So, I've also had fire Zack Snyder. I have a particular affinity for Zack Snyder too, and appreciation for some of the stuff he does. Um, it's just so weird to me because he he almost seems like a kind of director who should be doing indie movies, except <laughs> his ideas are too expensive. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, so do you think that your affinity for Zack Snyder is clouding your judgment? No, because I don't like things because of Zack Snyder. I like okay. some of the stuff that he actually does. 
All right. Like there are certain things in his filmmaking that I like. It's not just, oh, I like Zack Snyder because Zack Snyder. It's more just like he does these things that not everyone likes, but those things I kind of appreciate that he does, which Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't like to spell things out for people. He likes to just have these sort of plot threads dangle and you to say this happened between it, this happened between it, this happened between it, and then not spell it out for people. But the problem with that is that they can be spelled out in like three or four different ways. So people end (laughs) up coming out of it going like, was that what I thought it was? I don't know. Do you think that's a good way of storytelling, though? I don't know if it's a good way of storytelling. It's just well because because it because in I don't that... think it's a well, I don't think not necessarily. It's it's a creative choice, but I think he should he should definitely try to make it a little more obvious as to what it mm-hmm. is without fully spelling it out. Okay, because I was thinking one of the things I would think that you would want to do as a storyteller is have people you know, still talking about your product after they are done seeing it, not like a quick, easy, like cast off, like, okay, that was fun. I get everything in there. If you have, if you don't spell everything out for the audience, that it makes them have to watch the film again and be like, is that what it was about? Is this what it was about? You know, stuff like that. So I was just wondering if you would think that that was a uh, creative way of storytelling. Which is why I was, I'm, I'm a bit surprised that he's in, really mainstream movies because that type of storytelling is that's not the kind of thinking that that you want out of a comic book movie necessarily that a lot of people want Mm -hmm. um and and it's not even necessarily cerebral it's just like he assumes that it's obvious so he doesn't bother including it because it's like a waste of time which which leads to the film feeling less cohesive than it should Mm -hmm. again i think it's probably a creative choice i don't necessarily i don't know it's it's really subjective which kind of is difficult um but i understand why people hate it and I understand why people would feel like this needs to be spelled out in this way. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I appreciate that he doesn't necessarily do it. It shows that he has somewhat misplaced confidence in the audience mm-hmm. that they're going to be able to figure it out and that he doesn't need to spell it out for them. So I don't know. I'm, I'm torn on that front. I understand the need to spell it out, but I also appreciate the fact that he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, I can see I can see the the argument in both sides. Yeah. Um, but I think that about wraps it up. I don't have anything more to talk about. Do you? I think that wraps it up for me as well. All right. I'm sure I'll think of something afterwards, but whatever. I'll just write it down and save it for next time. So next episode, which is hopefully going to be in a couple weeks, mm-hmm. we're going to cover uh, Your Lie in April, which is another high school romance It's story. too bad that we didn't fit it in for April. That Since would have we're been recording in April. Yeah, it's gonna be your lie. I guess. I guess our own personal lie in April is that we're not gonna record that episode until May. Yeah, sad day. So yeah. thanks so much for listening. Obviously, if you're a Patreon subscriber for the One Piece podcast, welcome. Hope you enjoy. And yeah, you'll be getting these about a week in advance of most people. So before we close out, Dominic, <laughs> how can people find us? Uh, people can find us at facebook.com slash animaga podcast. They can find us at, well, they can, we have quite a number of followers on Facebook these days or people who, yeah, we're ranking up to almost 700. Now we're going to have the entire country of the Philippines as our, Oh, are they all from the Philippines? A lot of them, a majority of them, I would say now are from the Philippines, which I'm still wondering how that happens. Hello folks from the Philippines. If it's like a bot or something like that, that is doing it, but I don't care. It's fine. I welcome all, um but they can find us on facebook.com slash animaga podcast they can find me at twitter.com slash dm rosales 88 um 
They can find me at twitch.tv slash junkie where I stream every so often. I think the next thing I'd be streaming would be the next Uncharted, which is Uncharted 4, uh, coming out next month. What about you? Uh, you could find out my stuff at Jam the Writer on Twitter. You could check out my site at josephmedinawriter.com. You could also check out uh, some of my film writing stuff at latino-review.com as well as staticmultimedia.com. And... You can go to OnePiecePodcast.com if you're interested in One Piece. We have a, There's a great podcast, all kinds of news going on there. And if you're a patron of the One Piece podcast, keep your eyes open because things are about to be overhauled very soon on the Patreon front. And it's, it's going to be nothing but great things for all of you. A lot of great stuff, a lot of great content, more bang for your buck for current subscribers as well as different tiers and cool perks for – uh, future other higher tiers so keep an eye out for that at onepiecepodcast.com or patreon.com slash onepiecepodcast either one of those and if you're into film and movie and want to hear Jamer talk about that you can go on to Latino Review they have a podcast on there don't they yes it's called Los Fanboys Podcast thank you so much Dominic for mm-hmm. for grabbing that one for me yeah. Uh, yeah we talked about the oh we didn't talk about this we didn't talk about this. The ghost. In the what shell the whitewashing ghost yeah. wash? <laughs> the whitewashing ghost in the shell controversy, which we covered in Los Fanboys podcast. But I guess we'll tackle that really quickly. What did you think of it? Like, I don't know uh, for those of you who don't, I don't know. I I don't feel a problem with it. Honestly, I don't consider it whitewashing because I feel like when you bring a medium or a story over from another country over here, I mean, w- the main outcry I saw was a lot of it was it needs to take place in Japan and it needs to have Asian casting. Um, but I think if you're bringing something over here, you're going to have to expect that they're going to change casting to fit the, you know, the uh, the people over here. For those of you who don't race. know, they're adapting Ghost in the Shell to an American Hollywood movie, and they they cast Scarlett Johansson as the character, as the lead, mm-hmm. who's white, obviously. <laughs> so there's the controversy, and also there's rumor. There are rumors that the studio actually went and tested out some visual effects, like the company that did Benjamin Button, like mm-hmm. they aged up. They they were supposedly, in theory, tests that were made to make Scarlett Johansson look more uh, Japanese. Well, that's stupid. Yeah. I, I think if it gets to that point, that's just stupid because then at that point, just cast Asian people or cast cast an Asian uh, actress. Right. Um, but I think if you're just if I think that's stupid, don't you know do that. But if you're just if you're just doing normal casting, you, you got to expect that they're going to change something like when the Death Note film, when they're doing it here, they're going to cast, you know, white white folks or black folks or whoever is in this country, because that's what you do when you bring something over to another country. If if they were to make you make a, it sound like Asian people don't live here, Asian people do live here. <laughs> but are there that many Asian actors and actresses? I don't there really are, see there, them. Here's the thing. The problem is that it starts from the ground level. Like the problem is, is that uh, Asian people generally aren't cast because there aren't a lot of stereotypical Asian roles for them. Mm-hmm. And essentially default is white. If If it's a normal if it's like a character who's just. Homebred American normal, maybe mm-hmm. not even homebred American, just typical character. They're going to by default be white. Instead, they should be trying to cast the net wide and racially diversify those characters because, believe it or not, they're Americans too. Mm-hmm. And that way, over time, they get more noticed, they get well known, they get cast in higher profile movies slowly but surely. So that when there's a big movie like this, there actually is a bankable Asian actor or actress. It just starts from the ground up. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. 
I understand the problem, that, the but I believe you. No, no. The problem is that there's no bankable actors because mm-hmm. they're never given a chance at the ground level. Mm-hmm. So they're never given a chance to build up their profile. Only the white people are because they're the ones given the roles that are quote unquote standard. Mm-hmm. I was also going to say the other thing I would think I would take into consideration in my mind is that you're trying to maximize your star power to a generalized American audience. Well, and, yeah, that's what you're saying. You're, you're basic. Uh, what I'm saying is that mm-hmm. if a person who is not white gets more roles early on, they become more well-known to people so that by the time those big roles come around, they are well-known to a generalized audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's about doing it from like the ground level. So it's a whole Hollywood. But who's going to do that? Who's going to start doing that? Yeah. It's, I feel like that's the risk that uh, movie studios don't want to make. You're right. But they and, probably should. And if you don't agree with how the film is being done, then just don't see it. Yeah. People vote I mean, through wallets. But then again, it, the thing is that the Hollywood's going to take the wrong aspect of it. They're not going to say like, oh, the problem is this. They'll think, oh, the problem is that people just don't like those stories. That's true. They'll they'll just infer the wrong details from it. It's yeah, all I, someone has to take that risk. Absolutely, and I don't think it's going to ever happen anytime soon. <laughs> that's have the, the balls, that's studio. The, that's the other problem is no one has the balls to do that. Take a risk. And like you said, if it doesn't succeed, then they'll say, "Oh, it's just this type of storytelling, or it's this type of medium, i.e., anime." Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, whatever. Then then we don't get any more anime stuff, and then. Nobody wins. And nobody wins except for the purists who only want to watch the Japanese. In which case, they're probably not going to check out the American adaptation anyway. Yeah. But it's like I always say, if you don't like something, don't put your money towards it, I guess. I mean, that's the only thing that I can think of is that you, you speak with your wallet. Unfortunately, it's going to have the, that negative repercussion of, you know, we don't get any more adaptations. But maybe there's a lot of people that don't want adaptations. I don't know. Right. I a mean, lot a people, lot of people say they want original content but then there's plenty of original content out there they yeah. just don't know about it or they don't take the effort to research it because mm-hmm. there's like, so much yeah. original content out there sorry yeah i was gonna say i mean to me i i make the same argument with people who complain so much about trump i'm like okay well then if it comes to the point where we're voting and he's the republican you know delegate or the republican choice just don't vote for him whatever just that's how your vote goes don't vote for the person you don't want <laughs> Yep. Stop complaining and just do something about it. Yep. But our society is all about complaining, so. Oh, yeah, we love complaining. We're all entitled. Mm-hmm. Because we deserve everything. Thanks, government. given to us. Thanks, yeah. Obama. <laughs> Anyways, that, that, that concludes this episode of the Animanga Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Oh, uh, man.